Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. If you have a Bible, open it with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. As you're turning there, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been uh, so scared that you might uh, call it scared stuck? Anybody? Or is it like you're just scared and you just freeze? <laughs> so I've told you before, but one of my favorite hobbies in this life is to hide in my house and scare my wife and kids. Love it, I can't help it. It's one of my favorite things to do. So the other day, my wife, Abby, she was in the bathroom and she was uh, getting dressed and she was in her closet trying to pick out what she was gonna wear and, and whatnot. And so I saw an opportunity and I took it. And I snuck into our bedroom and into our master bathroom and I was real quiet, you know, just like ninja-like and I snuck all the way in there and you gotta know that our bathroom door, it opens up into like this wall of cabinets that's right here that has like medicine and makeup and whatnot in it. And so I got in there, I went behind the door and then shut it over me, right? So I'm standing in this little thing, cabinets here and the door's right here. And I can kind of see her a little bit in her closet right there. And I just waited and I waited a long time. And, and as I was waiting, like I started to kind of just like start to get uh, tickled a little bit about how funny it was gonna be and what her reaction might be. And I started kind of laughing, but like the quiet type where you're like shaking and, and whatnot. And finally the moment came. She came to get behind the door to get in the cabinets and uh, I'd been back there so long, but I hadn't thought about what I was actually gonna say whenever I jumped out at her. And so whenever she opened up that door, the best that I could come up with, I go, boo, like that. And she goes, ah, and just kind of, she, she was scared stuck, right? That's what the picture is, is being scared stuck. So scared that you're just frozen, right? We're actually gonna see that in our text today, um, and it applies to where we are in our life because we live in a world that is crazy, that is, uh, uh, it induces fear and anxiety in us, just the things that we face every single day, and if we're not careful, the easy thing for us to do as Christians, and even as the church, would just be to get scared stuck, you know? where we just hide and we get real small and we just stay here because the world is crazy, it's hostile out there, so we'll just stay in here. We just get comfortable, right? And churches, if they're not careful, will just get comfortable and they'll just get in their safe little circles and in their little small groups and we don't venture out very far into the world, we would be what I would describe as scared stuck, all right? So in John chapter 20, in our text today, like I said, we're gonna see this. We're gonna see uh, people being scared stuck and it's actually the disciples. Jesus' followers are scared stuck in this room. So just to back up, to, to set the scene for what, what's happened because what we're gonna see is a, the group of Jesus followers in a locked room just sitting there together, right? Again, scared stuck. So before that, um, they had obviously walked with Jesus for three years, three and a half years during his ministry. And then they saw one of Jesus's closest friends, Judas, betray him 
and a mob of people, of religious leaders, and we talked about how it was somewhere between 200 and 600 Roman soldiers come into the garden at night to get Jesus, and they arrest him, right? And we talked about then, it's been a few weeks ago now, um, how the disciples scattered They left, they deserted him. I think it's Luke is the one that tells us that, that they left him and they scattered all over the place. All of them except for Peter and John, they kind of hang out to see what's gonna happen with Jesus. And so the disciples are afraid for their lives. They go into hiding. And then on Friday, Jesus is killed. He's brought before the Roman governor, sentenced to death, and they they put him to death on, on a cross. That happened Friday. And so for three days until Sunday, um, The disciples are just in hiding and they're scared. And then Sunday comes and it's Resurrection Sunday, right? Like you you know the story of Jesus, how he died and how he rose again on on Sunday. And just a few weeks ago on Easter, we celebrated out of of John chapter 20 and the beginning part there on on the first day of the week, it was Sunday morning, very early in the morning, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb to, um, prepare Jesus's body to finish up what they were doing for his burial and she discovers that the stone is rolled away and that Jesus's body is not in there remember that and she runs back and she gets Peter and John and John makes sure to tell us that he's faster than Peter is like you remember that and they get to the tomb they find it empty and then Peter and John run back to tell the disciples Mary Magdalene stays at the tomb but she's upset she sees Jesus she gets excited. She runs back to tell the disciples. All that ringing a bell from Easter, right? Last week, we kind of been jumping around a little bit because of Easter. Uh, last week, we talked about Jesus on the cross and all of that. But in John chapter 20, verse 18 is where we left off on Easter. We're starting in verse 19 this morning. And in that period between uh, Mary Magdalene seeing Jesus early in the morning, running back and telling the disciples, and where our story picks up tonight, it's, it's evening, or this morning, I'm sorry, it's evening in the story. Well, in that period, Jesus is like appearing to people. Um, in Luke chapter 24, uh, we're told that Jesus reveals himself to these two guys walking on the road to Emmaus. And uh, I guess it was two guys, it could have been a man and a wife, I'm not really sure, it's not, not clear exactly, but in Luke 24, Jesus shows up, walks alongside these two people walking on this road, their eyes aren't able to, to comprehend or see that it's Jesus there. And in Luke 24, 27, one of my favorite Bible verses in all the Bible, talks about how Jesus, as he's resurrected, one of the first things he did out of the tomb is he goes and he's walking with these two, and Luke 24, 27 says that beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he began to explain to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Like, what that's saying is he just did the world's greatest Bible study, right? He walked through all the Old Testament and showed them everywhere that is talking about him, right? They go to a house and break bread together. Whenever Jesus breaks bread and prays for them, then their eyes are open. They realize it's Jesus, and Jesus just disappears. And those two people run back to tell the disciples. They go to this locked room where they're going to discover the disciples. And so, like in this scene, like there's a buzz that's happening, right? Amongst Jesus followers, like word is starting to spread a little bit. Like Mary saw him this morning and she said that he's, he's, he's risen. These two people come in from the road to Emmaus and they said that they've seen Jesus. And, but we saw him killed just a few days ago. And so there's a buzz, there's some excitement, but there's also confusion and there's fear in this scene. And where our text opens 
It's Sunday evening, Resurrection Sunday evening, and the disciples are scared stuck in a locked room. And kind of the thing that it does for us sitting here today on this Sunday in 2023 is it's gonna help us answer this question. How do I live as a Jesus follower in a world that hates Jesus? Because that's what we're gonna see and that's what they were really experiencing. And I know that you've experienced that as well. Like you, you realize that this world that we live in is crazy, that it hates Jesus. And so how do we as Jesus followers live in this, this world? We're gonna talk about that in just a moment. Before we look at the passage, I'd like for us to pray together. And so I will pray for all of us and you take this time to pray for yourself. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would do what only you can do in this time and that speak to us through your word. God, this, this text that we're gonna look at, it's just three verses long, but in this text, we are gonna be both comforted and challenged. And so would you help us to listen? Would you help us to follow you in whatever ways that you're calling us to? It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. All right, John chapter 20, start in verse 19 with me. It says, when it was evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side, so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, three verses long, but there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, a lot of weird stuff, and I would actually even say a lot of funny stuff that's going on, but you didn't laugh whenever we read it, so let me try and explain it to you and paint the picture. It says that the disciples are sitting in a locked room. The locked room, right? Doors are locked. And then Jesus, the guy who, by the way, was three days ago just killed brutally, is standing in front of them, and the first words that he says is, peace be with you right? Like that's not normal. That's not common. That would cause even more fear. In fact, that's what Luke says in Luke 24. It says whenever Jesus showed up and was standing in their midst, it says they became all the more terrified because they thought they saw a ghost. And then Luke tells us like the next thing that Jesus says is, I'm starving. You got anything to eat? You know, like this is kind of a strange scene that's happening here. But what we're going to see is that in the midst of this fearful situation, Jesus is gonna bring peace and purpose. That's really what we're talking about, peace and purpose in this passage. So first, Jesus brings peace. And you gotta know, like, there is real fear in this, in this situation, isn't there? They're completely justified in being afraid. Right, they just saw Jesus brutally executed three days before, and it says here that the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. So they saw Jesus betrayed and arrested and killed. And so their fears are completely justified. They're thinking, if they would do that to him, what are they gonna do to me? You know, like what are they, what are they gonna do to me? And so they're afraid of what's out there and they think, you know what, instead of going what's out there, we'll just stay right in here. You know what I mean? So, so their fears are justified, but clearly their fears aren't being helped by just sitting in a locked room, are they? And so Jesus shows up in the middle of their fears and it says that he comes and just stands right in the middle of their fears. It says Jesus came and stood among them. And what he says twice 
Peace be with you. Peace be with you. So the context of this fearful locked room is Jesus is bringing in peace. He's bringing in peace, all right? He says twice, peace be with you. This is, it's written in Greek, but there's a common Hebrew word that you're probably familiar with that they would have said a lot as a greeting, shalom. You've heard that, haven't you? That's a Hebrew word for peace or security. And and the same word is used here, except it's the Greek word that means well-being and harmony and security or peace. And so what Jesus is saying here is kind of like just your standard Jewish greeting, shalom, peace be with you, except for he says it twice in the middle of fear. And so it's more than just a greeting. He is, he's saying, no, really, in the middle of your fear, I'm bringing you peace. I'm bringing you peace, okay? And the question is how? Well, look in between the two statements. Anytime in your, in your Bible, if you see two statements that look pretty similar, look in the middle of what's being sandwiched between because a lot of times that's where the emphasis is being placed and that's what John does here. Look at verse 20. Since having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So we go from fear in a locked room to now they're rejoicing because they see Jesus's hands and his side, the proof of his, his death. And what, he's, what, what John is trying to help us see is where true peace comes from. Because again, we, we relate to this, this idea of being scared stuck, sitting in a locked room, just staying away from the things that make us fearful. John is saying this is where true peace comes from. It comes first from the presence of Jesus. Like Jesus actually shows up, stands in their midst, and reveals himself to them, meaning this, that he's really there. So their fears uh, that Luke tells us about in Luke 24, 37, that he's a ghost, well, he's not a ghost. He's really there, and he eats in front of them to prove it, right? So the presence of Jesus brings peace, and then the finished work of Jesus brings peace, meaning he really did what he said he would do. That's why Jesus immediately shows them his wounds because his wounds are visible proof that he was dead and now he's alive again. And if that's true, you know, then everything else he said is true as well. That's why in in John chapter 16, Jesus says there, "I'm, I'm bringing you peace. I want you to have peace. John 16, 33, Jesus says, I'm telling you all of this um, so that you'll have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but be courageous because I've conquered the world. That's what he says in John 16, 33. It's talking about just inner peace in the midst of turmoil that's going on everywhere around you. That's Jesus' goal here, to bring bring us peace. And that's the good news of the gospel that we just sang about for the last 30 minutes together is that that Jesus' death and his resurrection bring us peace. Through what he did, right, he shows them his his side and his hands, the proof of his death and resurrection. Through what he did, you and I can have peace. We have peace with God, right? Scripture talks about how outside of Christ, our sin separates us from a holy God. And not just that you're a sinner and you're a bad person. Scripture says that you are an enemy of God. Do you know that? You're an enemy of God. But through his work, through his death and his resurrection, we, we go from being an enemy of God to being a child of God. So, so what he did, his death and his resurrection, brings us peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, 
Faith in what? Faith in what Jesus has done. Personal faith. I place my, my faith and my trust in Jesus. Through that, we have peace with God. So, so his work, what he did on the cross, his death and his resurrection brings us peace with God, but also it, 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 it brings us peace knowing that death can't touch us. Like death is completely defeated. We sang this line exactly just a few seconds ago that Paul quotes from the Old Testament, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty five. He says, where death is your victory, where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through his finished work on the cross and, his, and the empty grave, death itself is defeated. Listen, Christian, death can't touch you. Death can't touch you. That's the reason Paul says in Philippians 1.21, he says, for me to live as Christ and to die is what? Gain. How could he say that? He's facing persecution, and what he's saying is, listen, for me, if I'm living, I'm living this life for Jesus Christ, and if they kill me for it, even better, because then I'll be with him. Like a normal person doesn't say that kind of thing, but, the, but what Jesus has accomplished for us brings us peace in the face of death. Just this past week, a guy named Tim Keller passed away, and Tim Keller is probably one of the premier pastors and theologians of our lifetime. And uh, on his deathbed, some of his final words, he, he said this to his kids and his wife. He says, there is no downside for me leaving, dying, all right? Understand that to be dying. There is no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest. Like, how can you say that when you're moments away from death? Well, because of this, true peace comes from the presence of Christ and the fact that his death has defeated death there's no more power over you in death he has complete peace in the face of death before we move on you need to know that that kind of peace that we're talking about is not universal it's not just open to anybody and everybody you either accept that peace that only comes from Jesus or you reject it right and so to to have peace in relationship with God and to have peace in the face of death only comes by trusting Jesus as your savior there's no other way uh, that you have that peace but know that his presence calms fears and anxieties and his death brings ultimate peace. And so the application for us is that we need to set our minds on this reality. Like daily, preach the gospel to yourself. Every single day, preach the gospel to yourself that Jesus is with you, that he's defeated sin and death forever and that in him you can live peacefully. That's what he's come to offer. I'm saying these things so that you'll have peace. You're gonna have trouble in this world, but take heart because I've conquered the world. That's what Jesus told us in John 16, And that's the goal for us as believers. And so we set our minds on that and we know that, right? Like we believe that, that's why we're here this morning. We, we know that. But what happens when life gets real? You know, like what happens when you're facing things that, you just don't know how to face. What, what happens whenever you're facing things that do cause very real, tangible fears and anxiety, right? The things that just keep us up at night, 
like health problems or job issues or relational disturbances or even world events in the trajectory of our country and our world. Like we know with our mind that Jesus is king, but what happens if I lose my job? What happens if the stock market crashes? What happens with this health situation? What happens? How do I parent my kids in a world that hates Jesus? Like remember, these, the fears that the, the disciples are sitting in this locked room are very real. They're justified in being afraid. There are Romans outside wanting to kill them. There are Jewish leaders who would prefer them to be dead. So the fears are justified, and I would say our fears as Christians living in this world are justified as well. But like these disciples sitting in this locked room, you can't stay there. (laughs) You can't just stay sitting in the locked room. That's why Jesus shows up and he doesn't just say, peace be with you, I'm here now, let's just chill in this locked room forever. You know, like let's just, let's just stay here. Look at what he does next. He links peace with purpose. Look at verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. You see it? He's, leaking, he's linking peace with purpose. I've been extremely uh, busy recently, just a lot of different things going on in life with job and uh, family stuff and and just projects around the house. And then also like I, I don't know, self-inflicted torture, signed up to, to go back into some school stuff. And so I've been reading and just feeling extremely busy, right? Um, and so I've got these projects around the house that have just kind of started to really weigh on me and, uh, and just kind of cause a lot of anxiety, you know what I mean? So a couple of them. Um, one, I have a, my freezer uh, on my refrigerator was leaking water. Every time I'd come into the kitchen, um, it, there'd be like a pool of water sitting there. I felt like somebody's punking me, you know, like just dumping water on the floor. It's like, what is going on with that? And so I determined this week, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut back some of this stuff that's causing anxiety. I'm just gonna get busy working on some of this stuff. And so I got on YouTube, because that's what you do in 2023 to fix something. I have no idea how anybody got anywhere or fixed anything before smartphones, but thankfully we have YouTube. So I got on YouTube and I found out that a freezer can freeze. Did you know that? Like it can freeze up and I don't know, something about a drain is in there and it got all frozen. And so it's leaking water everywhere anyway. I did major surgery on my freezer twice and I fixed it, right? And so if you've got freezer issues, I can send you a link and uh, you can get it all fixed up. So anyway, I fixed that one this week. There was another one that uh, this past winter, we put in a new deck behind our house and I've been needing to stain it and seal it. And every time I look out there, that's all I can think, like I gotta get that done. But weather never lines up with my schedule or when I feel like doing it. And so I've been looking for this perfect window of opportunity. And so this week I just decided, you know what? I'm getting it done. I'm checking it off my list. So Tuesday I go home at lunch and I power wash the deck. And then when I got home Tuesday evening, I got out there and just got it all finished. And it looks okay at best, but it's done. You know what I mean? And just the anxiety being lifted, just feeling 10 pounds lighter from having these things done Those things have been hanging over me. So sometimes, here's the point, sometimes the tangible way of gaining some peace is just to get busy, (laughs) right? Just get busy doing a job. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. He says, the Father has sent me to do a job and I've done it. Now, 
In the same way, I'm sending you. You've got a job to do. Get busy. And you and I know, as, as Christ followers, like this isn't gonna be new information, but Jesus has given us a job as well, right? We have a purpose. We have been sent out by Jesus. And if we've been sent out, that means it's not okay to just sit safe, you know? This passage is, is John's account of what we would call the Great Commission. I know that you've heard of the Great Commission, right? Matthew chapter 28, that's, that's, that's the famous passage that describes it, where Jesus tells his disciples, he says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Which by the way, if all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him, it doesn't really matter what he says next, you just gotta do it, right? Because he has the authority. He says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and, and remember this, I'm with you always, even to the very ends of the age. That's the Great Commission. He gave that to his disciples, and he gives that to every single follower of Jesus. Like, if you're a Christian, that is your assignment, to go make disciples, baptize, and teach people what it looks like to follow after Jesus. What I love about the Great Commission is it's not specific. Do you notice that? He just said, go make disciples, baptize, and teach. He didn't tell us on this day of the week or in that way or make sure that like this is the method in which you, you do that. It's literally the way that it translates is as you are going. Like as you are going, make disciples, baptize, teach. As you are going means wherever you are and whatever you're doing. In whatever sphere you're in, and it's gonna look different for every single one of us. As you are going, you're living out the mission of Christ. You're living like Christ and you're sharing the good news of Jesus. And as you do that, this is showing us you'll have peace. You'll have peace. Like, have you ever considered that the Great Commission was not given to us to cause anxiety, but it was actually given to us to cause peace? I don't know that I ever put those things together until this week as I was studying this, that Jesus gives us the Great Commission not to get us all worked up and make us fearful like we so often become whenever we think of the Great Commission. He actually gave us this commission, this, this purpose in life to bring us peace in a world that is crazy. Like if I could summarize what Jesus is saying in this locked room, he's saying, don't be afraid, go do this instead. Like you're sitting here all afraid and, and all worked up, here's a job, just go do it. You know, just mark this off of your list. What's interesting though is we're, we're so scared to actually do this, aren't we? Like the thought for some of us of, of sharing your faith at your job or sharing your faith in school or on the ball field. Like for some of us, it's like, that is crazy. Not doing it. <laughs> They're gonna laugh at me. They're gonna make fun of me. What if they ask me a question that I don't know? And what's interesting is this thing that was intention, intentionally given to us to, to bring peace, the enemy has twisted it like he does everything else to make it to where it brings anxiety into our lives. And we'll start to listen to all those, those same thoughts. They're gonna make fun of me. I'm gonna lose my job. They're gonna ask me something that I don't know. And so instead of living sent, we end up just sitting stuck in a metaphorical locked room. Right? But again, I would say this, that living sent is a command from Jesus, not a, not a suggestion, not a, hey, if you got some time, 
It's a command. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, so go and do this. So here's what I would say. If you claim to be a Christ follower, but aren't living sent, it may be why you don't have any peace. It might be why you're not experiencing peace in your life. Now, don't, don't get that twisted, what I just said. Jesus Jesus says that peace is linked to living out our purpose, but Jesus never said that living sent would equal a happy life. <laughs> he never said it was gonna be easy. In fact, I'm gonna show you in just a second, it's, it's the opposite of easy. But this afternoon, if you want further proof, read Hebrews chapter 11. Because all throughout scripture, God is sending people. Even, I mean, from the beginning, Abraham and Moses and all those guys, God is constantly sending people. And Hebrews chapter 11 talks about how it was anything but easy for all those. Like they were cast out. They, they were sawn in two, Hebrews 11 talks about. So I mean, it, we're not talking about an easy, happy life, but what we are talking about is living sent equals peace in your life. Knowing that you are living within the center of the purpose of God for your life will bring peace. But again, it's not easy. That's why Jesus does what he does next. It says that he breathed on them said, receive the Holy Spirit, verse 22. And so that's where the power comes from for us in this. In this thing that is hard. Can you imagine the disciples trying to work up the courage to actually unlock the door? Walk out, not knowing what's on the other side of that door, facing the Roman armies, facing the Jewish leaders who wanted Jesus dead. The power to unlock the lock comes through the Holy Spirit here. The Spirit of God is with us. If you remember several weeks ago now, out of John chapter 14, we, we talked all about when Jesus says, I'm sending, we call it the paraclete. That's, that's the Greek word. If you remember that sermon, if not, you can always go back and, and listen again on our podcast. But we talked about how the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, is our advocate, our helper, our comforter, our counselor, and our friend. And as we are going, he's with us. Constantly, like the Spirit of God is, is with us as we are going. And the very next verse in that John chapter 14, talking about the paraclete, Jesus again references peace in the midst of turmoil. John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. He's talking about the Spirit of God being with us. He says, I, I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Listen, you need to know that you're not alone. As you are going, as you are living your purpose, you are not alone. The Spirit of God, the presence and power of God is with you. And so have peace in that. Have peace in that. Did you notice how he said that he breathed on them? Look at back at verse 22. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I guess that's kind of weird, right? Especially in a post-COVID world. <laughs> Like you don't breathe on people. You just, let's keep a bubble, you know. But Jesus breathes on them. What's happening with that? Well, it's a reference back to the creation account. In John chapter two, uh, John chapter two, verse seven, actually, um, God creates man. It says that he scooped up some dirt and, and formed man from the dust of the earth. And then Genesis two, seven says that God breathed life into the nostrils of man. Like he gets down close and intimate and he breathes in new life, filling the lungs of 
of man. And now what's happening here is Jesus is breathing out onto his disciples as he's breathing new life into his followers through the Holy Spirit. And he sends them out to be breathing out that same life into the world. Do you see it? Breathing it out, new life. And like if you go and you read the book of Acts, you're gonna see a vastly different group of guys than the ones sitting in this locked room. Like in the book of Acts, it's crazy. Like Peter is sitting there pointing his finger in the face of people who literally killed Jesus just days before and he's saying, you killed him, you need to repent and believe. And the crazy thing is, they do. Like 3,000 of them. You know, they're getting thrown in prison. And the, prisoner, or the prison guards and the officials are like, I don't know what to do with these guys. If we, if we really punish them, we're gonna have a riot on our hands. So they're like, let's just tell them they can't speak about Jesus anymore. So like, don't speak about Jesus anymore. And they're like, we can't. And they just go out and keep talking about Jesus. And the church just explodes like crazy. Like that's the same group of guys who are sitting here in John chapter 20, verse 19, behind a locked door, sitting stuck in fear. So, so what's happened? What caused that radical shift for them? Well, it's the resurrection of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit inside of them gave them uncommon boldness. Uncommon. Makes no sense. What makes sense is sitting in the locked room. Leaving the locked room makes not a lot of sense. And I told you, like, it's, it's, an, it's not gonna be easy for them so Jesus is saying, I want you to have peace by living out your purpose. He's not saying you're about to have an easy life. Here's what happens to the guys in this locked room as they, as they leave, all right? Just a few of them. Peter leaves. He led the initial church movement in Jerusalem. Like I was saying, he's, he's seen thousands come to know Christ, but he's gonna make his way to Rome where he's gonna be crucified upside down. Andrew he went to what's modern day Russia, Asia, Turkey, and Greece. And he's gonna be crucified as well. Thomas, the one that we like to, you know, uh, make fun of and call him Doubting Thomas. He went to Syria and India where he was killed by the spears of four soldiers. Philip, he went to North Africa and Asia Minor where he was beheaded. Matthew left the lock room. He went to Persia and Ethiopia where he was stabbed to death. Bartholomew, he went to Armenia, Ethiopia, and Saudi Arabia where he had his skin flayed from his body and he was beheaded. And then Matthias, the one who replaced Judas, he left the locked room and he went to Syria where he was burned to death. Like, we're not talking about easy stuff, are we? Jesus when he, when he enters that room and he says, peace be with you. Go as, I, as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. He's not talking about an easy life and I'm not gonna stand here and pretend like any of this is easy for us to live out as well. Like we live in a time that is anything but peaceful and at a time when living for Christ is anything but easy. And so that, again, that initial question that we started with, how do I live as a follower of Jesus in a world that hates Jesus? This world is crazy. It's hostile towards the things of Christ. And as a parent of three little kids, which I know a lot of you have little kids as well, like just the trajectory of our world and our country <laughs> is scary. 
causes a lot of fear and anxiety. I can't even sit down with my kids and watch American Idol or the NBA playoffs without a hand on the remote just wondering what kind of craziness they're about to see. You know what I mean? Like this, it's just a weird time. And so we have two options as, as Jesus followers. We have, we have two options. We can either live scared stuck and just hide out behind locked doors and in a church setting and in our small group or with people that think like us and look like us and behave like us. And we can just kind of live in that little, that little bubble. But if we do that, it's probably not gonna actually do anything to alleviate any fears. And it's definitely not gonna be pushing back any darkness. Or we can live in the peace of Christ, his ultimate victory for our lives. And we can get busy living out the purpose that he has for our lives in our everyday lives, right? Breathing out the spirit of God into our schools and our workplaces and the ball fields. We can leverage our gifts and our resources and our finances for the sake of Christ. And we can even risk our own safety or our personal comfort, knowing that Christ brings ultimate peace and purpose to our lives. Do you want peace? Through the spirit of God, Set your mind on Christ and put your hands and your feet to work. And he promises peace. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.